Hello everyone and welcome to the next episode of the VTX podcast. As always, at the Veterinary Thought Exchange, we like to start by asking, what are you thinking? It's Christmas and we're so excited to be joined again by Katie Ford, who is going to be helping us kind of reflect back on this amazing year that we've had on the VTX podcast. And we're also really thrilled to be joined by Gemma from Protexin to talk a little bit about Cabalamin at Christmas, which always makes sense. Okay, so um, we're just so excited, genuinely, <laughs> slightly giddy, uh, to be uh, inviting Katie back to uh, speak on the podcast. So hello, Katie. Hello, thank you for having me back again. No, so you're our first uh, returning guest, which is really exciting. Um, I just wanted, I really wanted to start by actually saying for, for those listening, just to kind of put this in context, kind of you coming back on, because actually I think there's some relevance to that for us, certainly. When we started doing the podcast, Karen and I honestly started this in so many ways because we both wanted to and, and because actually we wanted to do this thing together that was ultimately quite a really a bit of fun for us and kind of an, a, almost an add-on to what VTX were doing. And it's become something more than that, which is, it's nice. Um, and actually I... I genuinely think that your episode the first time around was kind of a slight turning point for us as far as what the podcast was, because I don't know if you remember, we'd said to you, you know, we'll talk to you about all the things you do, but we'll also have this clinical chat because obviously you've, you've also got a lot of clinical experience. And we ended up not really getting to the clinical stuff because we had so much other stuff to talk about. And actually for me, that conversation has almost shaped the rest of the episode since then in some way because we really have delved often into all these different avenues in a very positive way um, and I do feel that your your episode really inspired that and kind of shaped that so we're, we're, I think Karen you would agree with that no like yep oh um, yeah and so we're very grateful for that really thank you so thank you for for kind of helping to craft what is now the podcast that we have today well you're most yeah. welcome because as I keep saying, <laughs> I absolutely love the VTX podcast and I certainly can't take all the credit for that bit because it's so nice to hear other people's stories. You know, that's what connects us. And despite the fact that I probably spent half the day re-revising pancreatitis and all oh the latest studies on it and then we never got onto it, that helped me in other ways too. And I love that episode that we did. You know, so many yeah. people have tagged people into it. Or it's one of my go-to episodes where if someone wants a little bit more information, I go, why don't you go and listen to the VTX podcast? And it 100% was authentic and organic and we didn't yeah. plan it to happen. And that's where the best conversations yeah. come from. And I think that's the real magic now of the VTX podcast. It's just a really nice kind of cascade of events that's kind of come away from that. And I, I was sending stuff to Karen the other day. I have never been so taken aback by the impact that these in in many ways what I thought were kind of quite simple things half the time when we're doing this I forget you know I, I genuinely forget we're recording and and it is just like a conversation and then you really don't realize like you said the number of messages that I got after that just people being very grateful for the conversation and actually some one really cool thing is has started to happen I was talking to Karen about this recently the last couple of episodes, we did an amazing episode with Anna uh, from Vet Your Breasts um, and then with Rosie Allister. People have actually started to 
quote things that people have said in these episodes and 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 like pick out parts of what they said you know Anna said in her episode you need to tell the people that you love that you love them and and people started to then use this and and I was just like that kind of just blew me away because it just showed that people were really listening you know when you think oh well people listen but they really listen I completely know what you mean and I think again that comes down to that storytelling doesn't it you can sit and you can listen and I think the the clinical bits that you add in are, are brilliant but at the same time when you captured into someone's story and you're hearing all the amazing things like Rosie talked about and she's just mm. awesome and Anna yeah, yeah. the campaign that she's had out with Vet Your Breasts and her her personal why behind that is phenomenal and they're the things mm. that really catch people in and we listen to those because you know what, there's one thing trying to impress people with our knowledge and there's another thing connecting with them. And I think that connection is a lot more powerful than that, oh, look how brilliant I am and all these awesome things I'm doing. It's kind of saying, you know what, this was my story. This is how it felt. This is what happened to me. These are some yeah. real gems and lessons that I had from it and they resonate with people. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so talking about kind of, I suppose, coming back to your story and we we spoke last time about your parts of your kind of journey I wanted to really highlight a really I think a very special development in your journey if we can call it that and I, I think it, it culminates in this um or these books that you've produced um and I really do want to talk about that because I think um it's it's been a, another little kind of um mini revelation uh, for us in so many ways so for those of those listening that don't know so katie's produced um a series of little books well actually there's no point me to why don't you explain to people what these books are well thank you first of all but <laughs> secondly yeah i've written this series of little books called to an amazing vet to an amazing vet nurse and there's to an amazing vet receptionist on the way and to an amazing animal care assistant which was partly andy that messaged uh, me and said you need to do these for everyone and this very much just stemmed yeah. from just a tiny idea that i had one afternoon and so many people share my content and send messages to people when you look at the insights on Instagram, I can see how many times they've been shared by private message or they've been shared to people's stories. And I started noticing more and more. And then I stepped back and thought, there's so many people that aren't on Instagram or that can't get my whole message in just one post. So I sat there and literally in two or three hours, I just sat and wrote this book and went, right, there it is. That's what I'd want to tell the vet world. Wow, but Karen, this is the this is why this is so cool. So genuinely, so are are these are all in the book? This is just you know, are, are these all? So these are all your words that are in there, or the the majority of it are your words? Yeah. So I I've, I've written it. There's a few times where I quote somebody else, and I'll say who that yeah. is, like the Eleanor Roosevelt quote of "Comparison yes, is the thief of joy." But yeah, they're, they're my words, essentially. And the, the funny thing about it is, because it's only a short book, it's like 34 pages long. I think of it as a gift book, just to give to someone who's busy. You can read it in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But it's the power behind the message that's the real thing, rather than saying, oh, it's a 300-page long epic and you have to buy into it. You can get to the end of it while you're having a coffee break. And it's everything yeah. that I just want people to know. And I feel like I wrote it for myself. <laughs> massive like respect because i think you know there's so much and this is not a disrespect to you know we we do we put out a positive quote every every friday and they're they're not our words they're other people's words and we're 
you know, using those as inspiration. What I think is particularly amazing about it is the fact that it's actually that you wrote it. So it's not just you've not just pulled together other people's words. You've actually written down your own, which I think is particularly, um, particularly amazing. I think, though, when actually those kind of books, um, it kind of harks back to me for last year. Um, Charlie Mackesy published his book. Again, it's a very similar style where it's not lengthy words, but it's but it's um, a series of kind of very inspirational uh, sets of words. Um, uh, and so I think it has that same sort of power to it in that sort of way. Can I, um, just while we're talking about it, am I okay to read something from it? Is that okay? Of course you can, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So there's, there's I, I have my own, I'm very honoured to have my um, my own copy of this book that Katie gave to me, which was very, um, which was very nice. But I, my favourite part really is the last bit um, because I think that kind of sums up for me really what this whole thing is about. So on, on the very last page um, you say, so this has been your reminder. You're an amazing, unique, valuable human being that has their own individual journey who just happens to be a brilliant vet too. Remember that. And I think you can take out vet and just insert career. <laughs> Yeah. And, or any label that people put on themselves. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And that, so those words for me really just encapsulate the fact that people just need to be reminded of that the whole time, you know, and I think that's really, that's really very powerful. So I, 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 I get the feeling that probably it's been quite a popular little book, do you think? I bet you've been absolutely blown away. <laughs> I have, you know, a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with Ebony Escalona from Vet Stig or Diversify. And she was saying yeah. to me, you know, you've gone out there, you've put your story out there. Has that ever been scary for you? Like, how's that felt? And yeah, sometimes you post things. And mm -hmm. I feel now that I'm so separated from the previous identity that I had that I can separate from it and just lay it on the table and go, this is how I felt. This is what I thought. I know it's not true now, but let it spark some, some inspiration mm -hmm. or at least some connection for you. But there are times sometimes where mm -hmm. it can be hard. And I mean, certainly putting this book out there where I'm talking about, you know, being kind to yourself and that your value isn't on your qualifications alone and that you do many amazing things and that you should talk to yourself like your best friends. You know, Katie from five years ago would have probably vomited in a bin about this um, because she would have been like, oh, too cheesy, too cheesy. But I tried so many other things that didn't work and then came back to this. And that's yeah. really been this thing that spurred me on yeah. to say, you know what, people that are ready to hear this are gonna hear it and embrace it. And they have, because so quickly I could have stepped back and said, you know what, I'll send a few copies out to my friends, but I'm not gonna put it on sale. And I've not had one bad thing said about no. it. I've sold so many copies and a pound of every copy goes to VetLife. We've made loads of money for them so far, which is fantastic. We know from the Rosie episode that they do some superb work too. Amazing, amazing. I just love to see that kind of journey of um, people who actually are really making success off the back of doing a lot of good stuff like I I think another person recently who I, I just am so pleased for um is Laura Rosewell who puts out the most amazing content that's completely free the majority of the time yeah. she's produced these amazing pocket these beautiful pocket guides which are like they're literally works of art you know um and and I just love to see her being successful 
getting those out there do you know what i mean and it's just that sort of thing i think is so lovely inspiring powerful all that kind of stuff you know Absolutely. And Laura is certainly a person very close to my heart because I've worked with her coaching Laura for a while now. And to see her going out there and stepping out of that comfort zone and being kind to herself along the way is just, yeah, it lights up my heart seeing that she's doing a really phenomenal job. And she, I, do you know my favorite part watching her on Instagram, apart from the fact that she's just mesmerizing is the fact that she's wrapping these um, pocket guys in this beautiful pink paper. Her, Her attention to detail is literally mind by I just love all of that you know she's really thought about it and I just love that so talking about our friends our friends I can see now which is really crazy our friends from Instagram um I have um uh, asked the Instagram um people uh for questions that they wanted to uh, to ask you so this is um well this is always really interesting and 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 actually we've had lots and lots of really great questions so I hope that we can just go off the cuff and ask you these is that okay <laughs> you might regret absolutely. this absolutely I don't mind thinking on the spot <laughs> so let's start with um, the mindful living vet and I know the mindful living vet won't mind me saying that that is Steph Sorrell Steph Sorrell is actually a really close uh, friend of mine who I did my residency with with actually and she is this lovely um, Instagram page now that she um, does such a good, good job of And her question was, what techniques do you use to keep imposter syndrome at bay now? So I think it was particularly alluding to the fact that you're you're the one really, you know, uh, spearheading this and and, and helping other people. What do you do from on a day to day basis now uh, to keep that under control? Well, first off, I have to say Mm. I love Steph to bits. I've connected with her on Instagram as well, and she's so lovely. And I feel like if we had enough time, we should be asking Scott about Tom Daly, I believe. But we'll... we'll... (laughs) So can we come come back to that? (laughs) We'll come back to that bit. We're off air. (laughs) Oh, God. So oh, yeah. in in answer to Steph's question, yeah. I still experience the feeling of imposter syndrome from time to mm. time because you'll see from what I post about, it happens at times of growth. And I post oh, yeah. many, many times about that negative voice that we have in our heads, like that inner critic that sometimes takes over and gives us a narrative that we wouldn't choose to believe and we don't have to believe when it comes along. So what I do is I'm very aware of like, how am I feeling? Well, what am I thinking about? And can I flip the perspective on that? So I know what feeling like that imposter syndrome feeling is. And rather than thinking this is because I'm a fraud, now I think, you know what? Actually, maybe this is because I'm doing something bigger. And perhaps this is the point where I need to keep going, but maybe I need to slow down a little bit. I need to be kinder to myself because like that post that I put out on Instagram now uh, recently that said nothing will ever exceed the relationship that you have with yourself. If you're going through a period in your life where there's a progression or maybe you're getting, I don't know, um, a promotion or you're doing a new certification or something. If we tune into that inner critic and we believe every word that it says, where it's like, you're a fraud, you can't do this, you shouldn't keep going, stop, stop, you don't deserve it, here are all the reasons why you don't deserve it. How much are you going to enjoy that journey? You're not going to enjoy it at all, or you're going to stop. 
So instead I sit there, I listen, I hear it and I think, you know what, today's a little bit of a fraudy day. I can feel that feeling coming. This is probably because I'm pushing some comfort zones. How can I redirect my attention? What would I say to my best friend? How can I be kinder to myself? You know what, Katie, you're feeling this way because you're about to do something big. You're about to launch a book. You're about to go and speak at WellVet. You're about to speak at the BBNA Congress. And then I'll just flip my attention to all the reasons why I do deserve it. Because that, that voice in our head wants to look at all the reasons why we don't. So I just gently guide my mind back and give myself a, a tiny bit of a break and maybe just slow down during those times. So yeah. that the main thing really is just being being kind to ourselves. And and I, I just you mentioned the book. I, I I'm not putting words in your in your mouth, but were you not shitting yourself a bit with that? <laughs> a little bit. You know, I think like we were saying, imposter syndrome is just a feeling. And we recognize that feeling as being a fraud or being an imposter. And really, it's quite often just when we're being stretched. Yeah. Or when we've not got our attention on the reasons why we do deserve something. So yeah, a little bit when I went out there and I launched it, I was in a beneficial position that when I first put it out there, it was on a call with Ebony, who's one of my good friends. Yeah. And I'd read the book out to her. She cried. She loved it. She'd ordered however many copies before I even put it out there for sale. So I was in a safe place to launch it. If I'd gone live in a group full of people that didn't know me and didn't know anything about me, then that little voice in our head would be like, abort, stop, stop. They're going to hate this. They're all think that you're some kumbaya nutter. Stop it, stop it, stop it. (laughs) No, no, it's not. Wait, hold on. It's not kumbaya. What did you say last time? um, Hippie woo. Hippie woo woo. <laughs> so even if you are a bit of a hippie woo woo yeah. nutter, who cares? <laughs> like it doesn't matter. And you know what? This was a conversation that I was having with um the lovely Claire Grigson oh, the um the other I weekend where well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was saying to her, you know, right in the beginning before I learned all of this stuff, I used to feel like meditation and yoga and any mindset and self-love stuff was all a bit hippie and it wasn't for me and you know I was very science-based and couldn't embrace any of that Mm. that stuff and I said to you know what some people still think that some of this stuff is sitting around the campfire singing kumbaya and I said you know what I'd actually find it quite fun sitting around the campfire singing kumbaya I'd like to do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that but, but yeah but that's the thing isn't it like actually do you know what that might be quite a good laugh. Maybe we should. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> yeah. Like what? So why are we? Why are we even? I, let's just do that. Can we do that in the next episode? Can we, Karen? Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. I think. Sure. I think we need to do that because you know what? We're taught so many times of through our lives how we should see things. We're given this filter of how we should look at things. And a really good example and a timely example for me was for Christmas, for example. I used to view Christmas as being frustrating, annoying, over-commercialized. I used to cringe internally at Christmas songs coming on. I knew that the rotor would always be coming up, like would I be working Christmas Day or not? And I, that was the only way that I could ever see it. And that led me to having a pretty miserable December a lot of the time. When I learned this stuff, I thought, you know what, I've been so tuned to look and listen to that, that negative inner critic in my head about all the reasons why I don't like it, that everything is dualistic in this world. There's always another side to it. And I thought, how much more would I enjoy December if I decided, you know what, 
I'm going to embrace it. Yeah. So I had a Christmas where everything was Christmassy and I thought, I love this. It was great. And here you are recording this podcast in a Santa hat with a glitchy background. So it's, <laughs> we're full circle moment. I just, so just honestly, just to kind of really, I think for me, one of the most valuable things that you can say, you've said there about imposter syndrome is actually, is the way you think about it. So when you start to feel that imposter actually just stopping and thinking well this might just be me getting out of my comfort zone so that's that can be okay I just need to reevaluate how I'm going to process the rest of this and I think that's so important because it's just that kind of change in mindset really that's that's it and you know at that point when you feel that way because we've been told for so long that actually success is only if we do something solo or if we do something with speed and ease at that point, we just need to realign those rules of success and say, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm starting to feel them out of my comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me be kind to myself. Who could I ask for help with this? Do I need someone to help me strengthen my self-belief? Do I need someone to help me make this easier? Do I need to just spend some time looking back at all the reasons, like we say, why you okay. deserve it? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, another another podcast friend is uh, Hannah, the physio RVN, who um her episode hasn't been released yet she is now uh, with child so is uh, is hopefully at home listening um having a happy first christmas with her new baby um she asked when you're at your lowest what uh, motivates you when i'm at my lowest in terms of motivation at that point the only thing that i focus on is looking after me because it happens you know sometimes i just accept it and let it be Almost like one of my coaches said to me, you know what, sometimes if you're in a storm, you just have to know that storm's not you and it's going to pass and you don't get angry at the storm being there and you don't say, oh, this is fantastic. Actually, I'm going to view the storm in a different way and I'm going to love the fact I might be struck by lightning any minute now. (laughs) I just say, you know what, I'm just not feeling like me today. And I know that that inner critic or the script, as I call it, has kind of taken over Rather than me put all my energy to what's wrong with me, why won't this disappear, why can't I feel better any quicker, rather than thinking I have to go up and do all these things and be really motivated to do it, just take it as a day where I say, you know what, how can we look after me today? Because believe me, this still happen, and my other half will say, you all right? And I'm like, I'm just not feeling totally like me today. And that then just kind of letting it pass over, being kind to me in the meantime, not thinking, oh my goodness, why is this here? Then I know the next day I'm probably going to feel a bit more like me again. I can do some gratitude if I want. Some days I don't, some days I do. And it really helps if uh, if it's the right place for it to help that day. And how do you look after you? What do you do? To, what does that mean to you? So for me, this has been a real trial and error of finding out what works for me. But getting outside, going and getting some fresh air for me, sometimes just permission just to to be. You know, I spent so much of my life in this performance-related experience of I could only feel good if I was out there achieving and doing. And I could only feel special if I was getting really good feedback. And actually, that specialness isn't up for debate because it's about being and not about doing. So I sit there and I know that, you know what, the day's rubbish, but I'm not rubbish. I'm going to... Maybe if I need to rest, I'm going to rest. I might go outside and have a walk. I might ring and connect with some friends. I might spend some time with the cats. You know, I just take stuff off the agenda for the day and know that I can realign with myself the, the next day. Mm. I love that the cats are part of that journey. 
your 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 cast was just amazing amazing um okay so i've got um this (laughs) this question um i can't um i can't immediately tell you who this question is from the whole point is you've got to guess so the next question is who's your favorite male veterinary nurse that begins with j and ends with p you mean it begins with j and ends with ak pie (laughs) oh yes Yeah, so you, you know, you. I think we knew where he was going with that. So can we just? So your answer is well, of course it's Jack Pie. <laughs> Good, <laughs> he'll die. You know, it's quite entertaining in our house because um, Jack once sent me some flowers to say thank you because I uh, spent some time helping him, and I'd be messaging him quite a few times. And Simon, my uh, my partner, he was really joking. He's like Jack Pie, Jack Pie. All I ever hear about is Jack Pie. Because <laughs> you were thinking uh, you're having some sort of affair with him. <laughs> that's not gonna happen it's okay oh dear um, it does say it does make him laugh though i'm like yeah it's jack pie again but seriously jack has been one of the people uh, i've been really glad yeah, to yeah. to connect with and it's been a joy to to help him with yeah. sort of improving his identity and relationship with himself as well because we all know he's awesome he and is, now yeah, he can start and, to see that too and we, yeah he is he truly is and, and uh, again uh he was that's been one of my favorite conversations he is such an interesting individual you know, truly from tortoises to bowling to all these other things that you just think, but that's, that's what I love about chatting to people. It's, I think that's all really fascinating, you know, and, and people don't think so, but it is, you know, it truly is. So his other question um, was a more serious one. So he wanted to know, I think you've, you've touched on this a little bit already, really, but um, I, I think it's about the inspiration for the books, but I, I want to, I know you spoke about this a little bit before, but I want to know, like, literally, is there a moment where you're just like, okay, yeah, so I'm going to do a book. Like, it's going to be a book. Well, it was just a moment that mm. happened out of nowhere. And I'm not quite sure where it came from, but I was glad that it arrived. Yeah, yeah. I think it probably sparked from, I was trying to find some new content for social media. I started writing it down and then it just started getting longer and longer. And I thought, you know what? this needs to go in something that's giftable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when I kept reading it back, I thought, this is almost written for me. These are the lessons that I wanted from years back. And in fact, when it arrived and I'd read it out to Ebony already, I read it out to my partner, Simon, and he said, I feel like I've just sat here for 10 minutes and watched you read that to yourself because you've kind of even changed in like your whole posture and your whole energy just through reading the book. So there was just a random moment that I just acted on. And did you do the pictures? I didn't do the pictures, no. They, um, the pictures are from a lady called Tatiana Davidova, who I met online. Um, she's got a store. She sounds very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, I thought the pictures summed it up quite well. Oh, because great. the pictures, yeah, yeah they just fitted in perfectly. Yeah. And it was a set that was ready formulated and just each one i was like wow this one fits in with this phrase this one fits in with this section oh, so wow. it's perfect. so that's really funny because actually you're you're absolutely right they just are the perfect addition to your words that's really lovely yeah they work they, they work really really well good okay um the next question is all oh, from anuska so from anuska who is the head nurse of, of the place that i work just now we are referrals Oh, she and and she's a big fan. We all we're all a big fan. Uh, where where I work, actually, a couple of the nurses have asked about getting you in to to do some stuff. But anyway, not just now because of Corona, but maybe another time. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, no, they really would, would be great. Um, Anuska asks, how does it feel to be so influential to others? 
That's an interesting question, you know. I think it's so lovely to get our messages that people send that they say, you've really helped me. And that comes back to, again, I want to connect with people. I don't want to impress them. I want to give them a chance to realize that, you know what, I want the same for you. I want you to realize your value and you to realize that we all do what, you know, dogs and squirrels do. We're chasing our tails, looking for something that we've already got. Um, until we look at that relationship with ourselves, then what ends up happening is we just rearrange external things all the time. You know what, I think I'll feel better about myself if I get the car or the house or the certificate. And actually it does start with us. And I think showing that to people and feeling like I really do have something that can genuinely help is so, so nice and such a good like place to be and to help with. Sometimes, yeah, that can be a real strange feeling of I don't want people to put me on a pedestal and think that I have everything sorted out all the time. Because like we said, what? I still... Do you know her? <laughs> no! Oh, God, don't tell people, don't tell people, no! I don't want them to think that because you know what? <laughs> then that ends up with a comparison trap again of, oh, look how yeah. wonderful she's doing and this and this and this. And you know what? Yeah. I want to come out there and say, I still have rubbish going on in my life but I still value me regardless. I genuinely think that comes across. Like, I don't think you're, it's not a holier than thou sort of thing. It's 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 clearly, a, and I, I was saying this to someone the other day, you know, you can say positive things. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're proclaiming to be perfect. I think as long as you do it in a genuine way, like I think it's, it's about being honest, about being genuine, mm -hmm. about not being soapboxy, just, just speaking a truth. And then of course, no one's perfect and we've all got crap going on but i think you know and that so I, I don't ever think that comes across i think it's always there's got to be an honesty about it and i think there certainly is with the stuff that you do for sure for good sure. that's good to hear you no know, it's true it truly um it, it ties in um because someone else has actually asked a similar question and and said you know how is how is she how is she shining all the time and i think that that maybe um really is a, a similar sort of thing that actually we're all shining sometimes, but we're not always that shiny. You know, it, you know, is that a thing? I, I think I've just made that up, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of true, isn't it? It is. And you know what, that's a really sweet question. So thank you. Um, but secondly, and this is going to sound super cheesy, but when you realize that you're not that negative voice in your head, um, we went through last time about saying that, you know, we're all special. We're all unique. We've all got our own path. You know, we say about perfect, you're the perfect version of you because there's no other version of you out there. So, you know, embrace those, those differences and those imperfections. But when you step past that negative voice and you realize, you know what, who we all really are, then it's easier to show up. Um, one of the things that I made a decision on quite a while back is if I was going to show up somewhere, I was going to show up there because I spent so much of my life going to shifts and thinking, I can't wait till five o'clock. I can't wait until five o'clock. I hate this shift. I just want it over and done with. And then everyone will realize at some point, I'm sure that I'm a fraud. And I just made this conscious switch where I thought, you know what, within my power, when I can choose on the days where I feel like it, I'm just going to make the decision that if I'm showing up in body, I'm going to show up with me as well. And I'm just, I can't be anywhere else. So I may as well be here yeah. and put my all into it. I love that. I can't be anywhere else. So I may as well be here. Yeah. And just do it. Yeah. Last question. Well, <laughs> there's a there's a few other things we're going to get off, off in different directions with with two of these questions. Um, someone has asked. Um, the the mind vet has asked who your biggest inspirations are. 
Wow. Another good question. I like not having known these before. It puts me on the spot. <laughs> I guess a lot of people won't be surprised when they followed me on Instagram to hear me say that Gary Vaynerchuk is always an inspiration to me. And mainly that's just due to the fact that he promotes kindness and empathy and just encouragement and doing what you're happy with and being passionate about what you're doing and looking at the right path for you. And I truly believe that until you know who you really are, it's difficult to know what you want your life to be about. So once you can step past that negative voice and say, right, I hear it, but I don't have to believe it. Who's the true, real, authentic me under there? What do I want my life to be about? Then you can put your energy into that. And I quoted him actually on the BBNA event with his story of how do you build the tallest building in the city? And there's two ways to do it. The first one is you tear down every other building around you and then you're the tallest building in the city. Or do you put all of your energy in building your building, encourage those around you, which just means that as we all build buildings, they all get higher and you all encourage each other. So I love that aspect of Gary Vaynerchuk. And yeah, I have his trainers. I went to see him live. I live in a bubble where I feel like everybody should know who he is. But if you don't, check out Gary V. One second. Sorry, trainer. Why does he have trainers? Why do we need trainers? This, this makes me sound like a nerd. Um, it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, it does, yeah. <laughs> he teamed up with K-Swiss and they made some trainers that are Gary V trainers and in fact I have them on right now so these are the Gary V trainers oh yeah oh they're nice they've uh, they say inside one day you're gonna die <laughs> I'm just to encourage people to say you know what it's the one life that you've got which is funny and then in the other one it said um empathy wins I mean, I, I'm, there's a whole lot of emotions here for me because first of all, I just, I don't understand why he needs trainers, but if fine. Second of all, do you really need trainers that remind you you're going to die? But uh, whatever floats your boat. I think, so Katie, I, is, is this an exclusive that there are trainers coming out, Katie Ford trainers in the new year? Oh my God, I wish there were. I'll tell you all that Gary V's are on sale on K-Swiss right now. He's tempted to buy a second pair. But you know what? It's <laughs> it's that weirdness that, you know, I love and I embrace now. I'm like, yeah, I wear Gary V trainers and you can, uh, and it's yeah. so, it's it's a funny bubble to be in. But in terms of my, my other inspirations, my other one really, and I started telling you about a Scott, is one of my coaches is called Liz Ivory and she's from Glasgow. So I need lover. <laughs> Absolutely. And she is really one of the people that phenomenally changed my life. You know, mm -hmm. she had a, a very similar experience of a very performance related life and constantly feeling like she had to be the perfect everything and that she had to show up and be that. And she went through a lot of personal and self-development courses. And she trained in everything that you could ever think of. She's got this list of like 80 things that she did and hundreds of thousands of pounds. And then she said, I'd completely been looking in the wrong place the whole time. And she's the person that I'll show up on a call with. And like the way that I say to people, you don't have to jump through hoops for me. You just have to be you. It needs a serious lack of effort being you and connecting with that person. And then once you connected with them, you can move forward so much quicker once you realize who you're not and who you are. I think that's so true. I mean, so many things that I, I, I don't mean to, I'm not slagging off Gary V. He sounds like a really cool guy. So I, let's embrace the trainers and we'll put a link to him in the show notes for sure. Um, no, everything is so true as always. Um, Laura, <laughs> Laura had kind of messaged me, not really about question, I quit, this is Laura Rosewell. 
um, she just literally mentioned that that um, we had to talk about the fact that when we first met each other in person, I broke a bed. So that we just have to really quickly cover that. So basically, <laughs> we, we do have to cover that. You know that was there's another vote from Claire for that as well. So I'll tell you this this tells you a bit of an imposter story. So. I was doing quite a lot of locum work for Vets Now and I was in my local region and I remember that on that shift we were, um, I was working with the principal nurse manager and she said to me, oh Katie, our handover's got to be shit hot tonight because we're handing over to Scott Kilpatrick and I was like, because Scott, all apologies, I didn't know who you were and I was like, oh who's that? And she's like, oh he's a European and um, RCVS specialist in internal medicine, he used to work at the Glasgow mm -hmm. Hospital and uh, now he's coming to do some some locum shifts down here. So you can imagine that inner critic for me was like, whoa, make sure this is perfect, you've got to know everything. <laughs> and yeah, I that luckily at that right. point I kind of knew a little bit about right. Okay, I can only do my best. You know, I am an internal medicine certificate holder. I might not be a diploma holder, but I'm quite good at what I do. So you can only do your best. And then you came along, and I thought, oh my god, I thought he was going to be really scary, but he's actually really lovely, and you're really funny as well. And I handed over to you for the Saturday night shift or something. Mm. And I remember I was chatting about a few cases because obviously I'd done loads of first opinion and you'd done so much medicine and you were asking me like the odd thing too. And I was kind of like, mm -hmm. you know what, if you'd listened to that little critic in your head, you wouldn't have even engaged in conversation because you would have been mm -hmm. too scared to say the wrong thing to, uh, mm -hmm. to Scott, the medicine God that the, uh, the nurse had made out was. God, it's was so coming. not true, but okay, yeah. And fine. Um, <laughs> I remember then taking you off shift next morning because I was doing the Saturday day and the Sunday That's day right. and you were doing Saturday yeah. night and potentially Sunday night as well. And you looked really sheepish and you were like, I don't know how to tell you all, but I've broke the bed. <laughs> and we were all like, how did you break the bed? I think you'd stood on it to try and grab something from like the shelf above. And it was just like this little camp bed or something, which was understandable that it'd break. But it was just like, you were some sort of naughty child that was just saying. I but you could, well, Ka Karen can imagine, like I literally, so some, you know, you get the opportunity to lie down and you definitely, I certainly took it. And I literally, so I slept all night with my arse hanging out the bottom of this bed because it was in the middle section. And then I just had to kind of leave like sheepishly with a little note being like, saws pals, broke the bed, see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> but just only me, only to me would it happen, that kind of crap. Anyway, <laughs> the other the other story we just have to then touch on, Katie, is this, um, so Steph, um, Sorrel and I were resident mates together. A resident, yeah, we did a residency together. She was a bit ahead of me. And her and I, I think, you've obviously spoken to her a wee bit. She's an amazingly intelligent, wonderful person. She's also just really nice. And, and we had such a good laugh. Like, she was just funny. Um, and we did a lot of silly things as residents. So at Christmas, one Christmas, my brother as a joke, this is so terrible, as a joke, bought me two things. <laughs> he bought me a, a cushion with, <laughs> with <laughs> a cushion with John Barryman's face on it. And then he bought me a life-size carbo cutout of Tom Daly. I can't even, for, I can't go into the details. It's not appropriate for air. Anyway, so, um, so we've got this life-size carbo cutout of Tom Daly which we used to dress up at Christmas in the residence office 
and he he used to hold a little Santa sack that we used to <laughs> that we used to be present in. It's not even that funny, but it just was so. I don't know. It was just. It kind of is that one of the memories that I have of of being a resident, and um, and so that I I'm not surprised that Steph would have kind of brought that up. I mean, Steph and I just to kind of paint the picture. Steph and I used to go and see diversity together, like live. Like we would be the only people there over like sixteen. Do you know what I mean? So we were like these two, like almost medicine specialists, like going absolutely wild for Ashley Banjo, like absolutely <laughs> just off the chart. Oh so she was. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so yes, that's the that's the Steph stories. I love it. I love it too. <laughs> right, so hi Gemma, thanks so much for joining us this week. Um we just we're gonna have a extremely exciting Christmassy chat about Kabalaman, but before that, I, I don't know if you can maybe just inter- introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, of course. So my name's Gemma. I'm one of the technical vets at Protex Invetomy. I've been with the company for almost three years now. And before that, I worked as a small animal general practice vet for about five years in a variety of different practices. And where did you graduate from? I graduated from Cambridge. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I'm always a wee bit jealous of Cambridge graduates because it's such <laughs> a cool place. I've said that every time. Um, and what? You, where, so when, when was it that you graduated? in 2013 okay and did you see did you did you think that this is kind of how your veterinary journey would end up no not at all (laughs) I uh, if you'd asked me when I was a vet school I was adamant I was going to be a clinical vet all the way through and I thought I wanted to go down the route of specializing into surgery really liked surgery and that was where I saw myself going so no I would never would have guessed this is where I would have ended up so actually that's really funny because you're (laughs) almost at the opposite end of the spectrum as in like things that surgeons wouldn't even know about like Kabalamin and (laughs) Denimarin yeah completely <laughs> like like if you asked a surgeon what those things were they just wouldn't even know so that's exactly um but so you enjoy the job you're in just now yeah I really like it I think it's yeah. been a, good, a good change for me and what kind of what are the the best parts do you think of working in the kind of sector that you work in uh I think I really it really suits me well to know a lot of detail about a smaller area so being able to kind of spend a lot of time doing the research reading about it knowing as much as you possibly can do about that which Mm. is just not possible in general practice I think where no matter how hard you try you just can't be good at every area and you've been working a bit more from home then just with coronavirus I presume kind of I was based at home anyway um so it's not been a huge change and then I used to be out on the road joining our um territory managers for different visits to vet practices or kind of visiting key opinion leaders in referral practices and stuff so not doing that bit so much at the moment but um the working from home is not really too too new for me and you're getting towards the end of your uh, pregnancy is that I right? have indeed <laughs> heading yeah. rapidly towards maternity leave yep <laughs> I think it's it's we've 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 got a really good track record now of speaking to <laughs> what's going on <laughs> I, know, I know really funny we've actually spoken to a couple who were like literally the, the day before. <laughs> but I hope you're not sending me into labour tomorrow because no, I'm not due till the end of January. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I think our, our, our aim for 2021 is actually to have um, just live podcast labour. <laughs> That's oh, our God. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> I don't think you want that. <laughs> That's, our, That's our 2021 goal. Um, when I thought about what we wanted to talk about, I think... The reason fundamentally that Kabalaman kind of fitted is because we were it was around Christmas and and um it sounded good to say Kabalaman and Christmas together. So um <laughs> but obviously Kabal- 
Kabbalaman has nothing to do uh, with Christmas at all. So kind of uh, just thinking, I suppose, just the, the kind of taking it right back to, um, uh, you know, Kabbalaman, you know, when we measure Kabbalaman, I suppose the first thing I kind of wanted to chat through was kind of when, um, you know, general practitioners are most commonly um, measuring Kabbalaman in practice. So when does it, when it, when does it become kind of clinically applicable to even be thinking about measuring Kabbalaman as a first, as a first step? Yeah, of course. So I think when we speak to vets in practice, the time when people most tend to think about it is either if they're dealing with patients with EPI, and then they kind of have Kabbalaman on their radar, or if they're dealing with chronic enteropathies that have been going on for quite some time, it tends to be a kind of further down the line, oh yeah, we ought to check beta 12 folate and TLI um, as part of their diagnostics. Um, yeah. And I think there are probably other conditions where it could be thought of but it isn't necessarily on the radar at that point i think that's true i think it, it's really interesting because it kind of comes it almost doesn't it doesn't appear on its own when we think of it diagnostically in many ways because mm. i think people think of this kind of set of of tests that should probably be done in cases where the gastrointestinal disease has kind of been going on for a bit so that like you said that kind of tli folate cabalamin uh, even throw a basal cortisol in there to exclude hypogenocorticism. But I think it almost comes as that little, and they don't come as a package of tests like that, but I think we almost think of them as a package of tests like that. Yeah. It was interesting, you, you kind of mentioned there, so they're the obvious ones, the kind of gastrointestinal disease. Do you think that there's, um, are there areas that we should then be thinking about potentially measuring cabalamin when we're not do you think? i think other areas where potentially it could be relevant are things like renal disease if we've got firstly potentially increased loss just through the pupd and also we do get some reabsorption of cabalamin in the renal tubules so if they're damaged then we might get reduced reabsorption um interestingly they've also found that up to 40 percent of cats with hypothyroidism can be hypocabalaminemic although a lot of these cats when we actually treat the hypothyroidism their cabalamin levels will normalise without having supplemented the cabalamin. So it seems to be more due to the metabolism. But I think if you had a patient where you'd managed their hypothyroidism, that was back to normal, but you were perhaps struggling with controlling their GI signs or their weight, getting their weight back on again, maybe at that point checking the B12 might be might be another good thing to do. And I think that's I think that's really true as well, because I think regardless of um regardless of the specifics of the condition, I think that's a really good point. I always start to think about um, cabalamin when maybe we're struggling to control, for instance, the the clinical signs or the diarrhea with a kind of chronic enteropathy. And we've maybe not paid a, a lot of attention to what B12 is doing, because I definitely think, and it has been demonstrated as well um, in the literature, that a lot of these cases that are trickier to manage and maybe more refractory to treatment, actually, you underlying that is the fact that they're still chronically hypocabalaminemic and that certainly doesn't help their recovery and I suppose in some studies being hypocabalaminemic has also been sort of um, related to a potentially poorer prognosis so I think you know so I think just being more aware of it overall I think is really um, is really important I think that kind of comes on to this other thing, though. I suppose one of the major questions about cabalamin, from my point of view, is we kind of learn more about it. Are we actually are we actually measuring appropriately the level of cabalamin within the body the way that we currently do it? So currently we are measuring total, correct me if I'm wrong, total serum cabalamin. Yeah. 
is that really the right way to be doing it? I suppose is the question. I think ideally, if you look at the human literature and kind of what they do in human hospitals, they measure um, metabolites that demonstrate intracellular cobalamin levels. And that has been done at a research level in Vetamy, but it's certainly not something that's available kind of readily to general practitioners. So measuring your methylmalonic acid or your homocysteine in dogs and cats, it seems to be that methylmalonic acid is more of more use than the homocysteine. Um, so both of these are molecules that increase if the um, intracellular cobalamin levels fall low and therefore it can't be used as a coenzyme. And both the MMA or methylmalonic acids and the homocysteine levels tend to increase. And in human medicine, that's what they will use to actually determine a cobalamin deficiency because you're going much more at an intracellular level rather than a serum level. So at this point in time, the recommendations from Texas A&M University, who we follow a lot of their research guide, guidance, um, is to start cobalamin supplementation when the le serum levels fall beneath 400. So actually, if you've got your lab results back, um, in most laboratories that wouldn't be showing up in red or in bold as being low, it's actually kind of the low normal bottom end of the reference range. Um, but actually, it's thought that once we get to serum levels around that 400 mark, that's when the intracellular levels probably have become deficient. So I think in an ideal world, we'd be measuring the um, methylmalonic acid itself. But I think at the moment, it's just not, I suppose, financially viable to do so. Um, I think you have to freeze it and send it, send it abroad at the moment to get those measurements. It's certainly, yeah, I think it, it, there is a possibility, I think you're right, of, I mean, it's the same with everything, I suppose there's always a lab you'll find somewhere in the world that will run the test that you want, but I think it's <laughs> whether that's, you know, viable for our kind of uh, canine and feline patients is another story. I think that's, but I think honestly, if, if, if nothing else, though, that's a really, really fundamental point there, because for people listening that regularly will look at cobalamin levels, if you said 400 to them, they'd be like, well, that sounds okay. But actually, you know, if you're if we're actually saying, look, we're not waiting for this cabalamin to completely bottom out and um, before we're supplementing it, I think that's a really, really uh, valid and actually very clinically applicable point. So really, yeah. I think the take home message is, A, we probably aren't understanding cabalamin levels in the body fully from the way that we are measuring it is number one. Yeah, and I think that's fair to say. And that hopefully will change with time. But I think also number two, the fact is that we're probably not jumping in and supplementing cabalamin as quickly as we um, should be. I think this makes me laugh a little bit because I don't know if you remember from your time in practice, but when I first graduated um, and I worked at the PDSA, we used to get our, um, this. I'm not recommending this, this is not a recommendation, please don't anyone do this, but we used to get our uh, renal failure cats in on a monthly basis, and they would get um they would get an injection and in the same syringe we would mix half a mil of lorabolin which is an anabolic steroid and half a mil of uh, b12 um it, which was the, is pink as people so it was almost like a little shot like a, that you would drink you know with when they did the shots with the two levels on them or whatever <laughs> um and the, the lorabolin was this really oily stuff and we would give that to them every month now we then were like kind of very critical that was such an old school thing to do but actually that's probably exactly <laughs> what those cats needed in fact i need uh b12 and anabolic steroid every month. <laughs> 
that, <laughs> I think that's so true. I think yeah. we've got a full circle and now we've yeah. got a bit of evidence to back up what was done before. But, but, <laughs> that's what I mean. Like I think particularly with 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 B vitamin or you know, with cabalamin, I think it's been around for ever in a day as in it's been available as a, a veterinary, you know, or to, for us to give as veterinary surgeons. But actually we probably, you know, old school B12, but actually it probably is really important for multiple different things and we're we've totally underestimated it so can we just talk a little bit about then the kind of ways that we give um the ways that we can actually administer it so the as far as how we give it back to patients um there are really two options for us um and that is an injectable option and uh, an oral option and the the kind of thinking um about giving it orally has definitely changed over the last few years. So I don't know if you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think, yeah, like you said, historically, people thought you had to go down the parental route to supplement it because of the damage to the receptors in the ileum. They thought that it wasn't possible for oral cobalamin to be absorbed in the intestines. However, actually in people, and it was back in 1967 that this study was done, they radiolabeled cobalamin and found that oral cobalamin, 1.2% of it is actually taken up passively across the intestines. It's taken a while for this research to filter through into veterinary, but it appears to be that the same does happen in veterinary. So there's not been any dog or cat studies where they've actually radiolabeled the cobalamin, but it does seem to be the same premise that actually we get about 1% of the oral cobalamin, or at least 1% of the oral cobalamin being absorbed passively. So it doesn't rely on intrinsic factor. In the gut, so if we've got patients with EPI where they're not producing intrinsic factor properly, or if we've got congenital abnormalities and where they're not their receptors are damaged, it still works. And likewise, if we've got our chronic enteropathies where the receptors are damaged or malformations, um, again, that oral cobalamin still seems to work. And the premise behind it is we're hyper supplementing, so we give quite a high dose orally, um, and actually, therefore, one percent of that high dose is enough to meet the daily requirements, and actually through that's been proven in several studies and um, there's been a prospective study carried out by Linda Torreson that compared the oral and the parental um, and found that within 28 days both of them would normalize the serum cobalamin levels. I think it's really nice for us to have the option to do uh, both things. The thing about the injectable administration from my point of view is that we um it is much easier, I think, for owners to give oral medication at home. Um, the, the kind of regimes that we would use before would be either the dogs would come in once a week for every four to six, you know, four to six weeks uh, for an injection from us. We we did sometimes give the owners uh, pre-made B uh, vitamin injections that we would then get them to inject at home. But they do sting a bit and, and owners are always a little bit uncomfortable kind of doing, you know, potentially stuff like that. So I, I do genuinely think that from a kind of... Um, administration point of view you know giving that oral formulation um is definitely much um is much easier all round um uh, certainly particularly from a kind of owner point of view and i think like you say i think what's really nice is it's been so well demonstrated now um in actually multiple studies that there there is it's really comparable as far as the end result which is really just the from you know from the um supplementation point of view well, you, you touched, um, we, we spoke a little bit about kind of the common sort of enteropathies and different things. Um, I'm, I'm always interested about this, um, you know, the, the although, although these are much rarer, the kind of congenital um, um, 
abnormalities with cobalamin in certain breeds. I don't know if we can maybe just chat a little bit about about that. Yeah, of course. So I guess the breeds that are particularly prone to it are Chinese Sharpays, Border Collies, Giant Schnauzers and Beagles. And it does vary between breed as to exactly what the genetic abnormality is and how the cobalamin receptor is affected. So there's different protein components within the cobalamin effect receptor and different parts of them are damaged depending on, on the breed. But actually, there have been a few case study and a case series um, showing that actually, even when we know this cobalamin receptor is not formed normally, the oral cobalamin still seems to work to normalize serum levels, which is quite nice because, again, that just demonstrates that we're, we're not relying on that receptor and we are getting that passive diffusion in these animals. Um, so even when we've kind of had genetic confirmation that, that they do have these conditions where the receptor is not formed normally, um, they're still able to absorb the hypersupplemented oral cobalamin and i think that's um i think that's really again from a kind of because these patients will rely on this drug mm. uh, will will rely on supplementation forever so it's going to be much easier to kind of administer in that yeah. way when i was um i was actually reading um just in preparation for this today and there was although we do think really classically about border collies uh, beagles particularly i think are you know the kind of poster child for um for this kind of problem there was actually and it was one of my uh colleagues at paragon um uh, referrals um who along with her colleagues had published this case report of a crossbreed i read that um, recently yeah a beagle cross i think it was wasn't it yeah 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 really yeah. interesting so, um really interesting and i think also it, although we are talking about these are definitely rarer um scenarios i do think it's really important to keep have it on our um, radar i think in young dogs yeah, that aren't, yeah yeah i think that's so true. exactly so these young dogs that are scrawny and terrible and and, and just for the listeners who've, who've maybe not seen cases like this you know these congenital convalamin deficiency they, they look like kind of runty shunty poorly doing you know terrible i remember one border collie that i've seen one border collie with the with this congenital uh, deficiency and they were it's so i mean body condition score like two out of nine like really scary terrible hair coat quality and it was a miraculous response kind of to supplementation so just to be clear you talk about um as so people sort of thinking about well how do i give this orally you talk about this kind of hyper i can't remember the word you use hyper supplementation hyper supplementation what do you mean by hyper supplementation um so essentially i'd, I'd have to look up the exact details can't remember. No, no, but, <laughs> but the the yeah. amount you would need is your daily requirement um yeah so if we took our normal food in or if the animal was fed their normal food one mm. percent of the cobalamin contained contained in that normal food would not meet their daily requirement if they weren't able to absorb it normally so if their receptors aren't okay. working and we're relying on that passive diffusion across the gut which only about one percent of cobalamin is going to be absorbed via that pathway what's mm. in your normal diet um one percent of the cobalamin contained in your normal diet wouldn't meet the daily requirements of cobalamin of the animal um so when we're dosing with cobalamin we should be giving it at a high enough level um, that actually one percent of what we give would meet the animal's daily requirement um so for example in cobalaplex there's 500 micrograms per capsule and that again follows the dosing from texas a&m university so that kind of by giving these really high levels we only need one percent of what we've given to absorb passively so we're not relying on any of the intrinsic factor or the receptors in the guts sure um, okay. for it for it to get to where it needs to and so on that note, because I, I just I, I think that sounds like a really um, 
hyper supplementation that sounds very cool <laughs> there's something quite, that's a very, kind of tre- very trendy thing to say i i wondered but on the flip side of that should people be worried about giving too much should we have any anxiety about too much of this vitamin it certainly doesn't seem to be the case so if you're if you're supplementing and your serum levels come back well above normal it's not of any concern and it doesn't seem to be within hum- the human side of things either. Um, it is water soluble, so any extra is going to be washed out in the urine. Um, the only caveat I would put to that is if the animals receive no hypersupplementation and you detect a high cobalamin level when you do a blood test, there has been some studies reported that that can be related to solid neoplasias. So it might warrant, you, know, you might just want to check the blood test in case it was a spurious result and there was something wrong with the machine. Um, but actually, if you haven't had any supplementation and, you know, check with the owner whatever other supplements they've been giving at home, but if the animal's not had any supplementation and the level came back high, that could be um, an indicator that something else is going on in the body. So at that point, you might want to, to look elsewhere. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because we, we, we would have always just discounted too much being not really relevant. Yeah. So I think that's a really kind of interesting yeah. uh, interesting thing. When you, me- you mentioned their kind of measuring cobalamin, I suppose I wonder if we can just touch a little bit on is there anything that we need to be kind of particularly wary about when we're actually sampling and processing cobalamin? Is it a, is it one of these things that is very stable, not stable? Should we keep it in the fridge? It is relatively stable. Um, I when we've spoken to the labs before, they have said ideally doing a starved sample is better, so you're getting a true representation of what's going on in the serum, and there is a slight circadian rhythm with it as well. Um, so actually, ideally, sampling at the same time of day is preferable because um, you do get very slight changes with what time of day it is. Oh, that, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, but if you've kind of checked before in the morning, it's probably best to do it at a similar time of day next time. And other than that, it is, yeah, I think it's rel- it's, there's no kind of immediate freezing or anything like that that are required. Um, no. I think there was, there was uh, it was a study I was looking at recently where they, I think they did look at sort of keeping it out the fridge for five days in the light. Yeah. And I think there was maybe a little bit of sort of degradation, so to yeah. speak. But I think overall, you know, it should I think be kind of like you would, like you would treat normal blood samples in a way. Yeah. Anything, exactly. Yeah. So, and I think that's a really good point. And I always say that to people. I think when, regardless of, what blood sample you're doing when you're doing it or urine sample consistency is key you know I think it's I would always be trying to do it at the same time and actually we should be better at doing starved samples generally because actually that affects a number Mm -hmm. of the different things that we measure within biochemistry so I think consistency is is really key uh, for me as far as if I'm getting patients in for revisits I'll try and get them in at the same time in in a you know so that the pattern is is kind of similar because I do think that has a, an effect on various um uh, various different um uh, parameters so I think that's it's good to have that kind of consistency uh, regardless yeah. so is there is there uh, we I think we've kind of summarised that it's a relatively safe supplement it's water soluble you're just going to piss it out you know it's 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 all going to be fine from that point of view I say that so eloquently <laughs> but um. Is there anything at all that we should be, or any evidence to say that anything to do with cobalamin supplementation can be worrisome or dangerous or concerning or anything like that? Not as far as anything I'm I'm aware of or anything that, you know, that I've read or we've been kind of informed of along the way. And I don't think we've really had any specific kind of adverse reports. The product was launched in October 2017 with regards to kind of cobalaplex specifically. I know there are now other, other ones out there, um, but we've not had any kind of specific adverse reports in terms of 
terms of its use or anything people's concerns in that respect either so i think it is pretty safe as a b vitamin i think especially being a water soluble vitamin where as you said it's yeah. gonna be pissed out um then <laughs> then yeah i think it is is fairly safe really um so one of the things i think is really good that and we've spoken a bit about before and i've spoken to your colleagues before is that you you guys definitely are involved in um or are certainly really keen to develop um avenues of research when you can is there anything anything hot off the press anything that you're kind of um, working on um uh, regarding um further research surrounding um uh b12 supplementation is there anything that you're cooking there are some some bits that are ongoing at the moment i probably can't say too much about them (laughs) i thought i was going to get some sort of exclusive (laughs) (laughs) but i mean as you said as a company there's always research going on in the background of different studies there's a multiple different studies that we've got kind of going on with regards to various different things I felt that was the, that was as close as I would get to like interviewing Adele and Adele being like, I can't tell you about my new album. It's not ready yet. <laughs> I'm not sure it's quite as exciting about Adele. <laughs> I don't get your hopes too high. But <laughs> so that's the comparison that I'm making. Um... <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> So I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I, I don't, Karen's going to totally hate me for this. I really wanted to also include in this episode because it was a kind of a coming to the end of the year. I wanted to ask Karen a couple of questions. Is that okay, Karen? Oh, oh I think we should. Come on, Karen. <laughs> so I don't, and Kate, yeah, Katie's welcome to too. So I wanted to, I, this is Jane. So I wanted to ask you, having... Yeah. So we've recorded all these podcasts with all these, you know, kind of vetty people. Is there, uh-huh. um, apart apart from Katie, which is a given, is there a standout? Is there a standout kind of um, episode or moment or or something that kind of is stuck out to you across these recordings so far? Oh gosh, what one thing? Well, you can choose more than one then, if you like. All right. Um... Well, um, I was actually going to say, um, Katie, your last episode, because there was things that Scott said that I didn't know, and I remember being like, oh, <laughs> and, um, but I just thought it was amazing. Um, like Scott was saying, it became a bit of a platform, I think, for where we ended up going. Um, so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, mm-hmm. Another couple. One of my the one that really took me back. Do you remember when we interviewed Bronwyn Scott and she started talking about her um, chihuahuas that she used to go in like dog sit yeah. these chihuahuas <laughs> and be their au pair basically. That's so funny. And things like that. I really love little random little yeah, snippets that's really like that. Funny. They're so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think that's so funny because it's, I think you and I talked about that afterwards because that was, yeah. neither, neither of us knew Bronwyn and I think to to open, she kind of, she kind of took the lead and opened with this ridiculous story. And actually I, f- I thought that was a really nice kind of icebreaker. Yeah, a really nice icebreaker. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really cool. Um, but yeah, not, um, I, quite a lot of standout sure. moments. I don't think I could pick one. Um, I think everything's been... Oh, I love speaking yeah, to Haley. Do you remember? Jesus, and then great. the bears and the bears and indeed. The bears, um, the bears. And then I want the other the other question I really wanted to ask you is the one that we've been asking everyone. But I wanted to ask you, who inspires you? Oh, I'm 
Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Are you really asking me that? Oh, no. Um, I mean, oh, you? no, you can't yeah. say that. Is that true? That's not true. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, right. You need to accept right that one, you? Scott. And I, well, <laughs> Take that one. <laughs> well, no, I, I think and actually this, this is, I think for me, though, Katie, this for, for I, I know you've you know talked about doing podcasts and different things, but I think for me this when I talk about like you know talk it life is so busy and you know what what do you do outside of work and I really don't do as much outside of work as I really should. The, the, honestly, the thing that I consider to be my true escapism and my hobby is actually this podcast. Like I really for me that has become like the thing that actually I could do this all day. It's joyful, you know. It really is. Um, you know, so actually it, it truly has become <laughs> that kind of thing um, for me. So anyway. You know, what I would definitely want to yeah. say to you both as well, and that comes from people feeling comfortable enough to open up and give you those little stories is, mm. I do think you're both phenomenal on this. And I'm not just saying that mm. to blow smoke up you. I listen to a lot of podcasts and mm. it's difficult to get a host that's so good to draw those stories out in a comfortable environment mm. And to know what to ask next, you know, you make these conversations so organic and so comfortable for people and they're not scripted. No, no. It doesn't ever prep, by the no, way. Not at all. See, and that <laughs> not again really. is testament to what an amazing job you're both doing. And that will definitely yeah. be my point to add. I know I've said it to you before, Scott, and I know quite often internally we want to bash that away with a few yeah buts, but... Uh, you guys have made a really awesome podcast this year and it's a, a joy uh, to listen to it yeah and we're just yeah. I, I suppose we're just this oh, is a, this thanks. is why I was so looking forward to this oh god I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna cry this we're, we're <laughs> we end up um having this as an issue as well I need to get my emotions in check um I think that this the reason uh -huh. that I think this was a nice episode for us to kind of do at this stage is because it, it kind of feels like a little bit of a full circle moment like we've kind of come and we've come a long way I think Karen and, yeah. and I think it's a nice point for us to kind of be I think really proud of what we've done and 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 really excited for next year and we're already thinking about you know who to to have on things so it's really it's exciting really exciting moving forward yeah I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for tuning into our special Christmas episode. It really means a huge amount. To find out more about VTX generally, then head over to our website, which is www.vtx-cpd.com. <laughs>